appreciate this. And thank you all. I just, uh, this is just a memory. I was back here in, on staff in 1981 and 1982. And I think by the time 1983, they told me to leave. And so, um, and so I'm looking around and the place isn't as, you know, I didn't wreck it as bad as I thought. And so it's all good to see you. Seeing some of my uh, friends here, I'm not gonna say old friends, just people that I knew for some time back. So I just wanna thank you so much. And uh, I would like to give you uh, a little bit of a background. If I might have the first slide, please. And we're gonna start off in Revelation, but I wanna share this with you. As we're talking about revealing the secrets of heaven, if you might look at Revelation chapter 21, and we're looking at that, and my ministry is talking about heaven. About 12 years ago, I was coming home. I've been teaching uh, both in uh, uh, college prep academies and colleges for, for the better part of 30-some years. And I came home after an exhausting day of uh, speaking and uh, just really coming home to uh, rest. And my brother, my next oldest brother, called and had informed me, and he was very, very agitated on here, very quiet, uh, uh, older brother. Uh, he said that Bruce has passed, Bruce, Bruce has died, Bruce has died. My oldest brother was in Florida about to prepare for work and he dropped over, he had a massive stroke. And the doctors told us later on, and I'll share the reason I'm saying that, they said it was so, sir, his, his uh, death was so dramatic, he was dead before his body hit the floor. And that, just absolutely. I come from a family of 12, and we had not lost anybody in our family. Even my parents were alive at that time. And it traumatized me uh, to the point where I could hardly, I mean, as we would know when we lose loved ones, uh, you, you grieve very, very deeply. But even my parents were alive, and for my oldest sibling, the three of us were like triplets. We just hung around, did everything together. And so the devastation of that within my soul, the deep grief, came to as I sat back there, and I had to preach his funeral. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. And I sat on the back porch of his home before I was uh, going back up to Tennessee, and I was just wondering, what is Bruce doing right now? Is he better? Is he taller? Does he hug Jesus? Is he eating? Where does he go? What does he do? And that started, a, I would say, uh, just an obsession with knowing about what heaven was like. That came into a ministry I started sharing in the college classroom, in the academy, these different things, and then I started getting inviting to churches, and the thing just grew. And so that's really what I do. I tell people, it's pretty much a one-trick pony thing. I want Christians to know, what happens when you leave this life? Where does the believer go? What can you look for? But mainly, what does the Bible say? When I was grieving, my brother had passed and the rest of the family, I went, as I said, out to the back patio of my uh, brother's home and his widow, my sister-in-law, came out and she allowed me time and I had stuffed into my satchel a book about the afterlife by a Christian and I thought, well, I'm gonna find some answers here. And sadly enough, there were a lot of these different books which would have one verse and a whole chapter of speculation. I can imagine we're running here, I can imagine we're doing this, and I thought, that's not what I want. Then I'd read another one, and somebody going, can you imagine doing this? Can you imagine there might be, I'm, I'm not making this up, there are roller coasters in heaven, and think of the ice cream. I said, I don't wanna know that. I wanna know, what does the Bible say? 
And I think I went through. As a matter of fact, I read an entire book before I got off, out, off that back of his patio. I wanted to know, and I devoured books, and suddenly I realized we're not really getting taught the scripture. We're getting taught people's conjecture and with this a smidgen. Now, there are some fine books out there, but not that many, and that's what started this. And so I, I will give a little bit about what my ministry is, and then I want to remind you tonight uh, as I come back, and the church has been so kind to allow me actually to come back a second time uh, tonight, and I'll see. I guess it's contingent, you know, depending on how this goes today, everything. So, so if I'm allowed back tonight, we're going to have a Q&A time. Now, if uh, this is what, over the weekend, uh, we had some uh, dear friends write some questions down, and if you will write them down even during this message and come up afterward and you go, look, could you answer this tonight? Or I will also take, you know, if you want to raise your hand and ask some. But some people feel more comfortable in writing some things down, and then I will commit to this. I don't want anybody to think that I'm so arrogant as to say, oh, I got an answer for you. But I will say this, if I cannot get an answer for you, you give me one week and I will have a contact with you and I'll get you as strong a spiritual, a scriptural answer as I can, all right? May I have the next slide, please? <clears throat> the ministry is opened up where I'm in a little, I actually have a barn. I actually do all my recording and everything out of a barn in a little place. The nearest town to us is Pickens, South Carolina one way and I'm telling you the absolute truth, Pumpkin Town and the other way. You have an idea, we're hick. This is no exaggeration, and my wife is probably walking, watching back home here, so she'll catch me if I'm in a lie. One car an hour comes by our house. You could take a nap in the front of our house, and you're probably going to be either run over by a horse by something coming by, or squirrels will go. But we are very rural, very, very rural out there. And who knew through the time as I started sharing, somebody would say, would you come up to our place? And so I started live streaming. Uh, on the different uh, social media, and I, I will share that with you. But this is a brief map of where I've been able to go just in this year. I came back, uh, and I, I hope you don't, you're, you're not getting an idea that I'm trying to act like, well, I've been all over the place, but it's, people have been asking, can you come and talk about heaven? Nobody comes and says, would you tell jokes, or could we come and see your profile? Because look, nobody's look, coming to see my looks, right? But they want to know about, so I will go, and I just have enjoyed the time came back from Louisiana, and we, had, we actually are at somebody's table around their dining room and having a Bible study. I was up in Maryland. We met in a bakery. When I was in Arizona some years back, I actually had a service in a Midas muffler shop. So it's anywhere. I'll meet uh, anywhere. And so the Lord's opened up the door. May I have the next slide, please? This is our website. Now, there's a couple things on here that I want to share with you. If you go on here, like today, or if I leave and you say, look, I, I had another question. There's a section on our website where you can partner and be on our newsletter, but there's also a section and you say, well, I want to know about this. And you put in a keyword, and we have a wonderful webmaster who does a number of uh, international businesses, and he likes our ministry so much. He gave us a huge discount to work, but it is very well put together. And uh, if you go on there and you put in like angels or walking with Jesus, or feasting in heaven, or relatives. You'll put that in there, and then every video that I've done, and I've done over a thousand, okay, it will bring up every video that has to do with your keyword, and it's on this site here, theheaventour.com. And if you want to write me, then if you will write brad at theheaventour.com. May I have the next slide, please? That's a beautiful church. That is the first ministry I was in. Look, just another angle here, and I thought that, that was really cool. That was really nice. Anyway, 
It's more to me. I mean, you're familiar with your church. Anyway, it's a very nice picture, too. I stole it off of your website. Next slide, please. <laughs> this is my dear wife and my uh, daughter. My daughter goes to Bob Jones University right now. She's uh, finishing up her freshman year, and she is in biblical counseling. My wife, uh, I would love to have her travel with me, but I want you to pray. My wife is stricken with Epstein's Barr virus, and so it restricts her along with we found out with some further diagnosis. We've been going into back and forth with doctors for the better part of 25 years, and we found out that she also has Lyme's disease, and so she's been double whammied, and so she's restricted, but she is very faithful, and she's in prayer for all of us right now. There's a three-hour difference uh, on there, and so uh, we, that is in our farmhouse. We have a little uh, place outside, like I said, uh, Pickens, uh, uh, South Carolina, and uh, they send their love uh, to those of you. I wish very much that Jill would be able to come and see our dear friends here. It's just not possible. But if you might also pray for them and their ministry as well. Uh, my wife is uh, preparing to start helping in a counseling at a crisis pregnancy center. Uh, wants to do that ministry. Now the next slide, please. And then um, the, uh, if you'd like to follow, I won't, I'll be traveling back tomorrow, but every weekday, on YouTube at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. So this will be dedicated on my Western friends here. So it'll be about 6.30 in the morning. But on occasion, about once a month, the board has asked me to start doing an evening YouTube online. And I go on live. The first half hour, I'll teach something about heaven. And the second half hour, I'll take questions and answers. So it is under the Heaven Tour. If you go into YouTube and type the Heaven Tour. Now, if you go into Google and type the Heaven Tour, you're going to get all kinds of travelogues. Okay, everybody in Israel wants you to travel there, so don't go there, that's too general. Go within YouTube and then put that in and then you'll be able to find the site there too. And like I said, I think we just cleared a thousand videos just the other day on the subject. Next slide, please. And this is actually the place there too. Um, I'm just so happy to be able to tell you that we had, we had prayed that we might have 5,000 subscribers when we started. And as you see, we've cleared it. My eyes aren't really great. I need new glasses. But if I can see the screen back here, I believe it says that we've cleared 36,000. Oh, you got a big one here. 38,200. And that actually, I posted at the beginning of this week, we're at 38,400. So people are wanting to know. Again, it has nothing to do with the personality. It has to do with the person of Christ and the promise of heaven. Next slide, please. And then this also on the site. Let me see if I have this down here. I just gave you that as well. And next slide, please. And uh, that's another one of me. Oh, those are two good shots of either side of my profile. That was, I did it. That's a vanity picture there. Uh, next slide, please. I can tell some of you were impressed. Uh, <laughs> this is, you laughed too fast on that one. That was, um, this is also a very exciting thing. Uh, I have a brother who's a researcher, a, a self-admitted research nerd. He says, you need to start a podcast. And I have some dear friends in here who helped me with the podcast here. And uh, we had really thought the first year we might have 1,000 downloads. And I believe that we had just talked uh, yesterday or over the weekend. And you can see there, we've been podcasting, I think, for about a year and a half. And, and I'm happy to say we've cleared 60,000 downloads here. And they are specifically on heaven or walking through verse by verse on the book of Revelation. You're more than welcome. We pay for all of the platforms, so you don't have to. You name it, we're on it. I'm telling you, we pay for everyone. Buzzsprout, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, Amazon Music, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, all of those. And so if you'd like to download those, or and a number of truckers have called back and said, when we're on the road, we're listening to these. And I just thank the Lord that we have this ministry of podcasting. It's called Questions About Heaven. 
questions about heaven. Next slide, please. So let's talk about heavenly rewards. You have been very, very diligent workers. And I know of many of you in here who have served the Lord in virtual anonymity. You're a believer in Christ. You have served the Lord. And sometimes it's nice to know that the Lord is seeing you, that the Lord is rewarding you, that the Lord wants to do something for you and his promises. And you say, well, you know, because we have a dear friend back in Tennessee, and he works in virtual anonymity. And I, it's just amazing how this gentleman, who is in his late 60s, will serve, uh, and he will go around, and at any event, he'll go and clean up. And my pastor in Tennessee is a quadriplegic, Bobby McCoy. And Wayne would see Bobby getting tired at an event and say, Pastor, you head home now. I'll lock up and everything. And there might be people staying very late. He'd go there. Okay, does Wayne get a reward for that? Or we see people that say, I have some dear friends who have a ranch in Wyoming. And they say, one thing that's very, very hard on me is that there are people that are in New York that will run into more people in one hour than we will in one month. And I'm not exaggerating. We are just out here. Is the Lord going to be ashamed of our lack of opportunities? Do we get a reward? Does the Bible say that? Let's talk about that today. And before you know, we go into the many uh, joys of heaven here, that I want to give you some assurances. You know, when you came to Revelation 21 and verse 1, that's talking about the eternal state. This is where we'll be. My mom and my dad have since gone on to be with the Lord. Three years ago, my mom passed away. Two years ago, my dad at the age of 92 and 93, respectively. So where are they now? Well, they're in the present heaven, if you follow the scriptures. Right now, they are in a place. We know they're in heaven. This is very, very important for you to know, all right? Paul says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. This is our confidence, and this is our preference, that when the Christian is absent from the body, he or she is present with the Lord. Okay, no soul sleep, no limbo, no purgatory. What does the Bible say? Paul can say that because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he talks about an incident that happened 14 years earlier when he was able to view heaven and see mysteries there. So you'll see coming back here, he says this. Oh, this is our confidence. He says it twice, all right? And this is what we look forward to. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Ready for this? In the original language, when you see that term, present. This is a Greek word. Please don't think I'm being high-minded. This is important for you to know. The Greek word is endemeo. Have you ever heard the word domestic? Endemeo? That word literally means at home. If you are absent from the body, Christian, you're going home. You're going home to be with the Lord. That's literally what it means in the, in the Koine Greek. When I leave, when my brother passed away as a believer, if I follow what the doctor said, as well as the truth of the scriptures, my brother was in heaven before his body hit the floor. That's a biblical fact. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 and 23 tell you this. Right now, if you were to look at Mount Zion, another name for heaven, you would see God the Father, you would see the New Jerusalem, you would see innumerable angels, and those enrolled in heaven, the spirits of the righteous made perfect. Right now, Luke chapter 15 Jesus himself says, when a sinner repents here on earth, there is celebration in the presence of angels. Not just the angels, in the presence of the redeemed are there. Here's an assurance we can say this. 
before we start talking about rewards, we go, are we going to be there to have rewards, or do we wait around down here? We will be in the immediate presence of the Lord. Luke chapter 16, starting verse 22, Jesus says, I want to tell you a story, okay? And all through 15, he's talking about the redeemed who are going to heaven, the sinners who repent coming back, prodigal son story, the lost coin, remember all that, okay, the lost sheep, and all those things are there. Now, chapter 16, he's talking a pretty authoritative source. He says there's a faithful man, has a very common name. His name is Lazarus. You, you see it all over. It's kind of like John or Jim today. Lazarus is a believer, and by faith he's looking forward to Yahweh. He dies, and he says the angels took him to heaven. Did Jesus himself say, well, now he went into a waiting period. He went into a timeout room. He went into, you know, uh, some sort of a soul sleep. Immediately, immediately. As a matter of fact, you see, in obedience with Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, it's appointed man wants to die and after this the judgment. No waiting period there. The same thing in that same passage. The man rebelling against the Lord in the afterlife opened up his eyes. He's in torment. Was there any waiting period? No. It was immediate. All right? So here is the first reward we can say. We don't have to wait. We will be with the Lord. Now, besides that, many of you will say this. Be honest with you, just to be in heaven would be good enough. Just to have the embrace of Christ would be good enough. And the Lord says, I got some surprises for you. Heavenly rewards, all right? Really, Brad? Show me in the scripture. I'm glad you asked. Let's take a look at it. Can I have the next slide, please? All right. Oh, the Q&A tonight. Uh, that, that's, uh, we'll do that. Next slide, please, after that. Okay, and we just went through this. Now, here are some references of the first thing. If you're saying you want to write these down and remember these things, and let's go to the scripture uh, on this. When Christians die, we see this. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, which also talks about the rapture. The Greek word is the harpanzo. We can talk about that. That's very, very fascinating. But it says this. When you're in heaven, you can comfort one another with these words. When, in Luke chapter 16... The believer, Lazarus, goes to heaven. The description of him now in heaven, in the afterlife, is he is now comforted. It's a very powerful word. It keeps being used all the time. And I'm uh, reminded then that the Lord also tells us in another passage that when the faithful ones went to heaven, Matthew chapter 25 says, enter into the joy of the Lord. The description of heaven is joy, comfort, and joy. Do you remember the Christmas song? And tidings of comfort and joy. Absolutely. We have that there. You take a look here in John chapter 17, verse 24. What happens? Jesus says this. Here's the great joy, Father, that my ones, the ones that you have given me, would be with me, that I may be with them, and they might see my glory. Another thing, and one of the things, even before we get to the rewards, is we're going to be with Christ, we are going to be alongside him, and here's a very curious phrase which we tend to brush over a lot, see my glory. Wow, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of lights and shine. No, glory, if you want to put it this way, is really the summation of all of the attributes of God through Jesus Christ, his holiness, his love, his omniscience. We're going to get answered. We're going to be on a learning curve in heaven. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, when that newest redeemed enter into heaven, what do they do? They walk up to the Father, they start asking questions. I heard a very respected man make a mistake one time, and I'm not just saying, and everything, and I certainly don't want to sound high-minded, but he said, when we get to heaven, we'll have perfect knowledge, we'll know everything. That's not true, my friends. 
We're not omniscient. Only God is. And there are numerous passages in which the, the, the truth of discovery for the believer, and probably tonight I'll share some with you, we will be learning. It's a fascinating horizon we'll be entering there. And then, of course, John chapter 14, if you remember this, and it tells you this. In my father's house, interesting, that word in the original Greek can also mean home. In my father's home, you might know from your passage, are many mansions. That word in the Greek, monet, means dwelling places. So you can say this, if you follow the original language, in my father's home, there are many dwelling places. If this were not so, I would have told you. God's not a liar. Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, God cannot lie. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18, it's impossible for God to lie. Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, let every man be a liar, only God will be true. Numbers tells us in chapter 23 verse 19, God's not a man that he should lie. We're talking about promises, and when I hear people say, yeah, I know that this says this, but you know, what about this? Go back, my friends. If God said it, we can rely on it. And his, whole, his, his holiness, his truthfulness is part of it. We see these things being presented to us. And in heaven, we will be able to behold his glory, the summation of all of those attributes there. We'll be able to see those and enjoy those. Next slide, please. And then we see this. I just want to say this first of all because this will happen many times. We will have people that will contact me and this has happened at least once or twice. Somebody says, do you mean to say, you're so arrogant to say only Christians go to heaven? And I said, no, God said that. I'm just repeating what God says. How can you say that? Because it's right here in his book, and I just told you about the truth of it. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's one name. John chapter 14, what does Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And you know from Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, the gift of life is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see in John chapter 17 here, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, those who believe in me through their word. The invitation is there. And if somebody says, I love what I'm seeing, I've never made a decision, the Lord says, hey, just come on. Romans 10, 13, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, I stand at your heart's door, your life's door, and I'm knocking. I'm waiting for you to respond. If you will respond, I will come in. Okay, so somebody says, well, he's awful narrow-minded and everything. He's inviting everybody. Well, what about this predestined? He's inviting everybody. You're asking me. I'm flying in the air. I don't want to do this, uh, Brother Jeff. I... I I was flying out, and we were going through a storm to come out here. I had to go through Dallas-Fort Worth. Everything in the United States has to go through Dallas-Fort Worth right now on the plane. And we're flying out, and halfway over that trip, and we're getting to a storm, and also I realized, you know, I'm about 40,000 feet above the ground. And if the wing falls off, there ain't a thing I can do, and this flotation device is not going to help me at all. <laughs> Have you been here? And it starts getting in your head. One time, uh, I, I've been blessed to go over two times to the Holy Land. And the first time in my life, I looked at one window and looked at the other, and there ain't no land. Now, I don't know why that would make a difference, because if you go down, it doesn't matter whether you hit water or, you know, ground. But I'm like, oh, this is not good. And I start thinking about it, and it was like, this is not something 
You want to get them out. I can't understand the Bernoulli effect. That's what it is that takes a multi-ton plane and has it with all these people that are my size or heavier. And think about that. And they're all there, and we're flying over, and they got food they're feeding us, which makes us heavier, and all. And we're going over there, and then we went through a cloud bank. We can't see anything. And I'm thinking, this is too much for me to grasp, all right? And yet I made it, and I made it here. Why? Because I can't explain it all, but I can accept it, and I can, give my, I can put my faith in it, too. So is the thing. There are many questions that you'll have tonight. We can go into the scriptures, and there are times that I will tell you this, and I commit this to you. If the Bible is silent, I will be silent. If the Bible is, uh, it says, this is not for you to know, then we will accept that. And when we go through here, we see these truths here. And on this, it is also important to understand. I might not be able to explain all of the things of God's sovereign will, but I know this. What I see is he says, if you want to come, I'm reaching for you. All right? So if you're in here and you're not sure of these delights of heaven, then by all means, listen and follow the invitation because God wants... Zephaniah says this, when you get to heaven, God will be so excited. God the Father, you can read it. Read verses 14 through 17 of Zephaniah chapter 3. God says, we're all going to celebrate. You have chosen me, we're going to celebrate. Then, verse 17, it's like he says this, okay, quiet, 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 quiet. Now I'm going to sing a solo. God the Father, Jehovah is going to sing for us. Fascinating passage. He is that delighted over you. It's almost, he says, you chose me. You chose me. Now we're going to celebrate. Next slide, please. So this is one of the reasons why on the, on the ministry, when I was about eight years old, I asked our Sunday school teacher up in our little Pennsylvania countryside church, I said, but what is heaven? And I got a stare on my forehead. And she hesitated, and I thought, this is the goal. I wouldn't get saved till I was 17, but this is the goal, and why is there? And she says, well, now the next slide. The first thing she says is there's a golden street. Okay, this is my eight-year-old mind. Heaven is one vast Nevada desert, and it's got a metal road. <laughs> this isn't going to help anybody to get excited, right? And this is the first thing. This is the first thing, all right? And then I said, that's pretty much it. We're poverty-stricken, and so I can't think of anything as far as wealth or anything like that. And she hesitates. Next slide, please. She goes, okay, there's a tree. <laughs> it's called the tree of life. A tree and a metal road. This is heaven. Next slide, please. Oh, I forgot to tell you. Every month it changes. There's new fruit every month. And I'm telling you, Rick, I'm telling you, absolutely. I, I go, eight-year-old. Angels go, everybody, guess what? Today's orange, this is orange month. This is all we have, okay? And you just wait, Macintosh apples next month, okay? And I'm saying, seriously, next slide, please. Oh, yeah, there's a river, and it's not polluted. Great, apples and water for a month, right? <laughs> On a metal road, which no doubt if there's a sun there, it's going to be hot, all right? Okay, I'm just, next slide, please. And you get your mansion. Okay, I come from a family of 12, you each get your mansion. I don't want to run around run, run a place on my own. I don't want to be lonely. It was more social. Next slide, please. I got all of those things, and here's what we have here. Can we take a look and rejoice at this? We are saying, in my father's home, house, home, there are many rooms, mansions, rooms. God says this, 
you're going to join me. We're going to be together. And now let me share with you in the last few minutes three secrets very quickly as time allows on this, on what the Lord has for us. And he says, you're home. Now I have some things that I want to share with you. Really, Lord? Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. Eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart, the imagination of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's beyond our imagination. Verse 10 says, oh, the Spirit will reveal things. And it's like you say, there's handfuls of heaven that are given here to encourage us in this walk of life. But indeed, there are many mysteries. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Next slide, please. The first thing is this. This is the home of El Olam. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to be in respect of your time here. And when it's time, wherever I am, I'll just stop and I'll close and I'll hand it over to the leaders. But I want to go in because I want to, you to follow this too. Many people are terrified of forever. We're going to heaven and it's not going to be a stop. What is this supposed to mean? And it's terrifying. The first thing I want you to understand, if you follow the scriptures, is there anything there for the Christian that says, when you get to heaven, it'll be worse? Psalm 16, verse 11 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Psalm 17, verse 15 tells you, when I see your likeness, I will be satisfied. Now, when we go there and somebody says, but how do we experience time when we get to heaven? It's the first thing. El Olam is the name of God, the God of time, the forever God. You can use it any way that you want to. We're going to a place, and one of the brand new horizons is this. Time will be heaven time. Romans chapter 8, everything is under a curse right now. And a lot of people don't think about this in its fullness. Everything. We go, well, of course. People are under the curse. Animals are under the curse. They'll bite you. You know, streams get polluted and everything. But we don't think if it says everything, the word is everything. And you know one thing that's under a curse? Time. We're under time right now. Look, it's, it's, it's hard for you to believe, but years back, I looked good. But time has worn on me. I mean, that would be hard for you. Rick, he looks as good as he did the first time I seen him, too. He looks younger all the time. Some people are exempt from, from curses. But, the, but the, uh, when, you, when you see us, and then I come back, and I'm looking around, and I'm saying, as I did when I walked in here, it's been, I don't know how many decades, you know, that I've been able to be here and enjoy this, and time is gone, and I forget people, and I see different things like that, and we see that. It's like Tony Bennett once sang, time is a thief, and we all go, yeah, that's right. I don't know that very many people say time has always been on my side, but it will be. And you go, how? I'm taking you back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. It's beyond our imagination to grasp right now. But I will tell you this, right now it's limited and things seem fearful because we cannot see these things. You take a look at these passages here, and if you might write these down, I'll go through these. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 does tell you this. There was an argument there about when the Lord comes back, and a principle pops out in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, and the Lord says, and you probably know this passage, and he says this, whoa, 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 whoa. Heavenly time is not the same as earthly time. In eternity, it will be renovated, as everything will, and that's what the whole chapter is about. And he says, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. Go to Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. A thousand years in your sight, O Lord, is like the passing of an afternoon. A thousand years is like the watch in the night. 
Okay, we're talking about God who is outside of time. Isaiah 57, verse 15. He's outside of time. He controls time, and it will be a blessing. Revelation 21, verse 5 says, I make all things new. Ready for this? That Greek word for new is, it, has, uh, it means never been experienced before, really never been imagined before, but the one word that knocks a home run out of it is unprecedented. Now, the Greek word for all is all, everything. You will have an incorruptible body. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53. You're not going to have any disease, nor anger, bitterness, bad memories, all these things. You're going to be different. We'll talk some more about that tonight. The landscape is different, all right? Time will be different. All things are made new. And this is the home of El Olam. He says, I'm going to make it now where time will no longer be a terror. It's going to be a blessing. You know, Brad, could you elaborate? No, because I don't think I can. I can give you the scripture on this. This is one of the wonderful mysteries. Next slide, please. This is the home of Yahweh Gemulah. And this is one that many people aren't familiar with, but I just love this one. It means the God of recompense, the gifting God. But I want to explain this, okay? Because when you find in the passages, it means this. In the scriptures, Jeremiah 51, 56 says this, and I want to paraphrase because of time. There's a rebellion going on, and, they, and he says, oh, I'll break their bows. That enemy's going down. All of their weaponry is going to be destroyed. Why? Because they got it coming, because I am the God of recompense. In other words, they earned it, they're getting it. Get it? Gemulah means what you worked for, you're going to receive. But now follow this. You go to the second Samuel passage, and Barzillai says, I, I don't understand all the blessings coming to me. How could this be? Well, the answer is Yahweh Gemulah says, you have earned this blessing, therefore you're going to receive. So it can mean either extreme. For the believer, God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I found this. This is good, and I, I wasn't able to put this up here. Do you remember Psalm 103, verse 2? And it says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's the same root word here. The gifting, forget, don't forget his gifts, which come to the believers. God is here to put you in eternity to reward you, to gift you. And somebody says this, you know something, I have two, I'm going to save the last slide, maybe for tonight as part of this. I'm going to park it here, gentlemen, because let me say this. And I want to I bring this to you as, as something very powerful. And it just, it's come across my heart. Somebody says, this sounds nice, but the, like you said at the very beginning, Brad, look, I'm, I'm not here with a massive amount of wealth to give to the Lord. You know, God knows if I had it, I would give. And I am on a strict, and I've got to put food on the table for the babies, and I've got a mortgage to pay, everything. I'm restricted. I wish I could do more, but I can't. Or somebody else says, time, as you said, it's made me infirm. I'm limited. I can't get around, I can't do any things. I wish I could do more. Somebody else says, as I said with the people with the ranch, you know, I just don't have the opportunities. I don't have as many opportunities as that person, and I'm certainly not as talented as that person, and I have nowhere near the money that that person is. It just seems like I'm going to disappoint the Lord. This is very important for you to know. God is such a reward-giving God 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10 tells you there's a designated place in eternity to reward the believer. It's known as the bema seat of Christ. 
and it tells you in there, you will be rewarded on everything you've done in his service. What is the delineation? 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What was your motive? Did you want to serve him? Nobody else sees it. Luke chapter 14 says this. You're serving, and these people, verse 14 says, they can't repay you here on earth. They might not even recognize you, but the resurrection of the righteous, you will be rewarded. Why? Because Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. He's not an unjust God. He's been watching you. Well, that still doesn't listen, okay? Matthew chapter 10 and verse 42 says this. You can give someone a cup of cold water in the name of Christ, and you will not lose that reward. A cup of cold water. How fast will that go? A few seconds, but you did it to promote Christ in some way that you did. Back in Tennessee, a man was going door to door selling books. I, it, this was very unusual, but I remember this. Going down neighborhoods selling books uh, to work his way through college. A Christian couple, he was sweltering. Tennessee, humid summers. They ran and said, son, you need, you, you need some water. He goes, I didn't want to ask, thank you. Gets him inside the door, he gulps, literally, literally, sir, cup of cold water. They led him to the Lord. Cup of cold water. Matthew 10, 42. That's all. They didn't try to bribe him, pay him, con him. It opened the door. They said, you're a nice family. I just really appreciate that it has been hard, but I didn't want to say, come here, let's talk. I said, well, you showed me your love by this thing. What other love are we talking about? Listen very, very carefully. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 12. The Lord will hold you accountable on what you do have. You're not accountable for what you don't have. I have never, Brother Jeff, gone to sleep at night, looked at the ceiling, and wept profusely because I don't have the money that Elon Musk has. It has never been a problem with me. I see Bill Gates, that's fine with him. I do not sit there and punch the wall because I don't have a billion dollars, okay? It doesn't bother me. But what I do know is the opportunities God's given me and puts in front of me, well, then I'll serve him. And if I don't have that talent, God's not brought that into my life, but I'm going to use what I can. And, and many of you do this, and the Lord says, you're going to be rewarded. Yahweh Gemulah, he is going to reward you. We can talk some more tonight. Maybe this has instilled some questions in you. But I want to give some hope to you, too, because there are many, many Christians. And as a matter of fact, I was able to uh, meet with, I, I was speaking in the Chesapeake Bay area, went up after my dad abandoned our family. My mom remarried on the rebound uh, to a very abusive stepfather. I'm not going to go into it because it's not going to help anybody. I would just say this. If in those days we knew that we were allowed to report what was going on, he would be behind bars. I'm just going to leave it at that with us. It was horrible. We moved down and we lived in the slums. As a matter of fact, one place we lived at, when we moved, they condemned the place. There was no heat or anything like that. And I was probably about 10, 10, 11. My mom realized that she was unable to control my abusive stepfather, but she was kind of taking us kids. And she shoved us over to a church. We went to this church, and it was a lighthouse in a storm. And we lived for Wednesdays and Sunday nights. Now, remember, I wouldn't get saved for a while, but it was just something. We started seeing Christ through this church led by a man by the name of Lou Bradley. Are you ready for this? I got to speak there last month. He's 92. My brother came along. We went back in his office. He is so decrepit, he came in on a walker, and he couldn't 
sit down. He had to lean back and fall into the chair. You know what I'm talking about? And we said, Pastor Bradley, we, we need to tell you as adults what you meant to us, how you saved our sanity. And he broke down weeping. And he said, you know, boys, when you get to be my age, you look back and you wonder, have I done anything? You know, you serve the Lord. You just wonder. He goes, I cannot tell you what this means for you to share. I said, oh, Pastor Bradley, you kept our family together. You really did. And we, and we wanted to come back and tell you. And then they allowed me to speak. He was back there just cheering on, not me, but the scriptures. And I thought, how it comes from, how beautiful, how beautiful this was. And I think of so many dear people here that maybe it's the same thing. You look back and go, I think we all reflect on that, don't we? Uh, those that are older ones. I'm not saying that I'm old, but um, they laughed again really quickly the rest of the hour. But you look back, and then the Lord says, oh, I, this is time. You, you, you'll find out. I want to reward you. That's what heaven's about. So many more things I want to say, but I'm going to respect your time as we talk about time. Would you bow your heads, please? Let's close in prayer, and then I'll pass it on for the next part of our service.